Through the Cash podcast is brought to you by 4.0 Schools. 4.0 invests in community-centered models of education, providing coaching, curriculum, and cash to those with the imagination to envision more equitable ways to learn. To learn more about their work, head over to 4.0.org. And now, without further ado, let's get started with the Rooted Cash Podcast. Hey, this is DJ Villain, and welcome back to the Rooted Cash Podcast. We wanted to learn more about 4.0 Schools, the organization behind the Cash Pilot and this very podcast that you're listening to. To do so, we interviewed CEO Hassan Hassan. We went deep with Hassan, sharing our stories about our families, listening to his story immigrating to the United States, and reflecting on our own future dreams. This conversation gets real, so listen carefully. All we do as an organization is fund um, ideas um, that make education and learning better. So, you know, we start every year with $4 million. That's the budget of 4.0 schools. And then we decide, okay, well, how do we want to invest that $4 million in, in different projects? You know, Jonathan Johnson, the founder of Rooted School, was one of the found one of the people 4.0 invested in a couple of years ago when he when he just had the idea for Rooted School. And now the two of you, right? Like we with this project, we really wanted to push ourselves. You know, I, I just told you about the four million that 4.0 invests every year. There's the organizations that fund 4.0. They have like hundreds of millions of dollars that they invest every year. If you look at the entire education system in the U.S., there's like $700 billion, which I can't even imagine like how much money that is, you know, that is spent in education. And like the question is, what if we give part of that money directly to young people? What decisions will you make? We're out here trying to like think about as adults, right? Like what is, what, what should school look like and how do we create the best experience for really for the two of you, right? And like other students like you. But part of what we do should be just like giving you all the money and like you tell us what education should look like. That has to be part of how, how money is invested. And for me, that's what gets me excited. Like ultimately, that's what keeps me in, in this job. With this project, I can't think of a more important group of people to invest in directly than, than young people who are in school right now trying to decide what to do in their future. Tell us about yourself. Uh, originally from Sudan. Uh, my family is from there. My, my mom and my dad immigrated from Sudan to the Sultanate of Oman, which is a really small country in the Arabian Gulf. This was before I was born and I was born there. Um, and then I ended up immigrating with my mom about 16, 17 years ago to the U.S., and these experiences changed my life, right? Like being able to come here. I was about your age when I first moved to the U.S. I moved to first to Wisconsin and then to Iowa. I've never seen snow, you know, before in real life. I've seen it in movies and things like that. But it was like a major cultural shock for me to leave what I was used to and come to this space that felt really different than everything that I've, I've known. 
And like I said, I was around your age and I was really by myself. Like my mom came with me when I moved, but then she went back because the rest of my family couldn't immigrate with us. So I was on my own and trying to figure out how to go to college and then what I wanted to do kind of with the rest of my life and had to learn a lot of things on my own, figure out how to manage money. You know, at that point, like I really didn't know how to do that. And, you know, my parents prepared me when I was younger to learn the value of money, not waste it. But it really wasn't until I was responsible fully for all the money that I made and spent that I started to really learn. This is what I got to do. Here's how I can change my behavior. Here's how I can make sure that I continue to make progress towards the goals that I had for myself. I made a bunch of mistakes. Everybody does that. And anybody who says they don't make mistakes with money is not telling the truth. But it's through that process of making mistakes that, that I learned. That experience really resonated and really stayed with me because, you know, fast forward, I ended up going and studying engineering, working in the private sector, and then transferring to work in education. I really like that. That felt like I was watching like a documentary on your life or listening to an audiobook. Part of me feels like you are very empathetic. I feel like you are able to easily put yourself in people's shoes. You can see people's point of view very easily. And I really like listening to the story about how you immigrated in particular, because I feel like that had a very huge impact on your life. You are very empathetic, right? Like what you just were able to kind of play back to me after like hearing my story and listening to my story. Like these are the things that if we, people with power, you know, the adults in the in the capital, right? If they were empathizing in this way, I think we would make different rules, right? Like we would make different laws. So I just want to also just appreciate you. And, and for me, this is why I'm like going to underline, triple line it. I think y'all are ready. I think y'all are probably more ready than most of the adults to like have conversations, important conversations that affect people's lives and your lives. And a lot of us as the adults, almost all the time, we send you signals that, that you know that you're not ready. You just gotta wait. And I, and I disagree with that. I think you're ready and we need to listen. You immigrated here and went to college for engineering and then switched over to education as your focus. What inspired that? My dad was an immigrant, right? So he immigrated when he was maybe in his thirties. So he had real words of wisdom and he really kind of just pushed me to say, look, like this, you, you have this incredible opportunity, you know, to not just improve your own lives, but improve the lives of your families and like your communities that you'll be part of, including the ones where you came from. So like go all in, like we'll be fine. You go really pursue your dreams. At the time, you know, like I felt, and I still do, honestly, like I felt a lot of pressure. And excuse me if I end up choking up while I'm telling the story. My dad actually has Alzheimer's. So when I reflect on him, you know, th that pressure really at the beginning, like pushed me to say, okay, honestly, I'm going to make as much money as possible. I'm going to go out there, be as successful as possible and, you know, move my parents with me, take care of them. And that's why I went and studied engineering and ended up working in the private sector right after that. So I, I was really looking like, where can I make the most money after I graduate? So if I like pursue that path, I'll be able to build wealth. And I did that. My first couple of years, I was feeling like that pressure was like really, it was like harmful, you know? I'm, I'm not sleeping, you know, I was, I was doing things that weren't healthy for me because I was feeling that like pressure of just like, I gotta, I gotta build wealth. And I think during that time, I ended up just having conversation with my mom, with my dad. And I recognized that building wealth cannot be the only thing. 
it cannot be at the cost of the relationships that I had. And what I was doing was kind of almost like pushing me further away from my family rather than actually bringing me closer to them. So I ended up, you know, really reflecting on like, where can I make the most impact and still be able to, you know, take care of myself, take care of my family. And, you know, the two forces that affect my life are education and immigration, right? Like those are the two biggest kind of systems. But I still wanted to be working in an area where I'm having honest conversation about the impact of money in, in education. Like that's why I work where I work right now with 4.0. That's why I'm in this project with y'all where we're investing directly in you because I believe people can do amazing things when people can really pursue their dreams and many of the rules that we've created just made it so that we create barriers. And a lot of times these are resource barriers to be able to pursue these dreams. So I think if there's a life mission for me. It's about removing those resource barriers. Because like, what would happen if all of us really pursued our dreams? Like if I, I know if I asked you right now, if you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do? I know that you just like there are so, really so many things that are like distracting you right now, you know, that you'll just get rid of, you know, because now you have the money to not have to worry about it. And I just think that's something we can work on, you know, in our lifetime. We can re rework the rules so that more people can actually live their dreams. It resonated in me, especially like the part about your dad, because my I lost my grandfather like three, four years back. And then my actual father is handicapped due to a car accident that he had no control over. And so hearing all that and like feeling the weight and pressure thing, it was like, yeah, resources prevented me from helping my grandfather in a significant way. It prevented us from being able to do a lot of things. And it just makes it so much clearer when you get another person who has dreams or like wants to help people in his life, but can't do to simple things such as you just don't have the money, sorry. And it brings into light how important this project is into getting rid of that barrier that prevents people from doing things. So thank you for sharing that experience. Thank you for listening. And, and again, I credit both of you for just creating this space where I felt I can actually share that story. I, I share a very cleaned up, buttoned up version of that story usually with folks, but like I, I felt comfortable opening up to the two of you because I like, I, I almost like need y'all to like know why this project matters. Why you being really the first people, you, you're taking a bet on this project, right? What we are gonna learn so much from you and, and more than anything, even through this conversation, we consistently underestimate young people. I, I want to remind myself, you know, more than anything, and then anybody who decides to listen, is that like, we can be having conversations like this all the time. And conversations like this don't happen in the adult world that often. Oh, Mr. Hassan, um, I, I just wanted to say that a lot of what you say really resonates with me as a person. When you began to speak about your father, I felt, I felt raw emotion there. I really did. And I, I really did agree with you on feeling like you can't have somebody that you really want around with you. Because uh, actually around this time last year, my grandmother, she died from COVID-19. She died from the virus. And I remember every single day, I used to walk out of my room, wake up every single morning. I would go into my grandma's room, which is two rooms over, give her a kiss on the cheek every single morning. And, you know, it's just the feeling of those little things that you lose 
you know, it just, it sticks with you and, you know, it makes you feel like I, I got to do whatever I got to do to get it back. I felt that way, you know, I got to do whatever I got to do to make myself happy. I started sitting there, I started trying to make myself happy through alternative means. I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to just drown out all of my sadness, you know, because you think that the money will be fulfilling. And then you realize that the money is not what you want. It's that interaction that you miss, you know, I just, I really felt that. And I really like how you talk about the idea of fulfillment because a lot of people, they try to seek fulfillment in things that they never will truly get fulfillment out of because with things like money, the more money that you get, the more money that you want. And it's just a repetitive cycle. You'll never be fulfilled with it. So my question to you is what would be your idea of fulfillment? What would you think that you have done that has fulfilled your life? There are two things that I wanted when I was really young, before I wanted to make all the money and everything. <laughs> and I wanted to play for Arsenal, which is a you know soccer club. And, and I wanted to basically be Tupac. That was like my, my, my idol, you know? He was just like committed to authenticity of just like, I'm gonna be who I am. And you're gonna try to, you might try to put me in different boxes. And these boxes could be like good versus bad, but like you can't, you won't be able to because I'm a complex person and you're just gonna have to accept me with all my complexity, you know, because that's who I am. If you're Tupac, you, there's a lot of things that make you afraid. Growing up when I came here, right, like there's a, there were a lot of things that made me afraid. In fact, I'm probably afraid 80% of the time. Just like being, I'm just afraid. Like that fear is a constant emotion that I have through my job, through just like walking down the street. When I think about my parents, fear about things that happened in the past, fear about things that can happen in the future. And for me, like being able to live in moments where I just experience less and maybe one day no fear for just being who we are. Like, I feel like my goal is just to continue to like live in an intentional way towards that vision of like shedding that fear, being more of who I want to be, being more of who I really am and letting that come out. And, and for me, again, like, my vision for myself and my vision for everybody that I love is to just continue to like experience that, shedding the fear, letting more of who they are shine, you know? I feel fear is the absence of hope. Once hope is completely gone, then you are truly experiencing the worst fear you could possibly experience. And I feel like due to the human condition, it is very easy to allow one's hope to be taken away. And from what you just said, you just said that you want to give people hope. And I feel that is a beautiful thing. I love that. That is the perfect answer. And that, that answer was so uniquely you, just like, as you said, with Tupac, you know, he, he valued authenticity. I feel like you do as well. If you didn't have to worry about resources at all, I want you to like really dream and share. If you if you're willing to like share with me, like what is your vision for freedom? That could be your freedom, you know, at an individual level. That could be at a collective, as a collective definition. But how do you envision freedom 10, 20 years into the future? I'm, I'm curious, like if you didn't have to worry about resources at all. When you asked this question, the first thing that popped into my head was 
psychology and a lot of the problems that come with mental health in America and the world right now. Uh, personally, I'd say if I didn't have to be pressured by resources, time and all that kind of stuff, that my first go to thing would be either learn more about psychology or help fund more about psychology and people as a whole, because I suffered from anxiety, ADHD, autism, all that. And so I was like, I, I kind of got over it and it hardened my exterior, but softened my interior. And I think I have a soft spot for people. And so my need to want to better myself has made me realize that in order to better me, I have to help the people around me. So first step would probably be making sure that my immediate family is okay. Like my younger cousins, my siblings who have poured so much time and effort into helping me, that would be my first step. And then trying to help as many other people as I can who don't have the resources or time that I was blessed upon in this hypothetical situation. If, if I could keep dreaming with you, um, if you could imagine like a day in your life, 20 years into the future, where you are like living this dream, what would you do during that day? One, just one day, what would be some of the things you would do on, on a day where you are really living that vision of, of freedom? I think the first thing that I would probably sit and doing would be sitting down and reflecting back to the dream, sitting mm -hmm. down and seeing that I have achieved one, maybe the entirety of that dream and finding my new step forward. Uh, I don't typically plan long term, but mm -hmm. even when I when I do, it means a lot to me that I keep going for it, that there is no time to settle. There is no time to stop and go about doing nothing even when i don't like actively pursue goals i'm always thinking about next steps i think about how to proceed and i'm a very reserved person when i do so so most people are like god why don't you do anything to get to where you want to be it's like no i do i'm just very quiet i'm just very secretive because i'm afraid that if i do share out that goal Mm -hmm. something's going to find a way to ruin that goal and it makes everyone a part of it feel worse that I couldn't do it because of external forces. So mm -hmm. I think my next step would be at that day, 20 years from now, would be move towards that next goal, the next mm -hmm. step. Nothing stops, not even time. So might as well do all I can to help everyone I can. So much of what you shared resonated with me. Somebody who is also very quiet, very reserved, deeply an introvert. Um, I don't know that's that's how you describe yourself, but like that's definitely me. And also just like recognizing how precious and personal dreams are and like goals can be communicating them to others, like how vulnerable that act is of like sharing a dream with someone, your real wishes, you know, with someone that really resonates. And I just appreciate like how you brought it down to like your love of people, your love of humans, and how when you imagine your best self like in the future, you would just have time to just think about that, you know, and reflect on that and help people. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you. When it comes to me thinking about like what I would do if I didn't have to worry about resources, because like a lot of people don't really notice these types of things, but like when like 
you live in a world that is constantly resource dependent. You usually like everything that you do is usually centered around the gathering of and or, you know, just resources in general. Like, so if I never had to worry about resources, I think I would want something that I can't feel like I've ever like plateaued on. And personally, I, I feel like one of the things that I enjoy the most in life is experiences, I guess. Listening to your experiences like that right there, like that, like gives me like life, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I personally feel like listening to the experiences uh, or like experiencing, you know, you know, new things. Those are the things that really give me like fulfillment, I guess you could say. So if I didn't have to worry about resources, I'm pretty sure that I would travel. I would travel around the world and I would help out people. I would get to know other people's story. It's very easy to put yourself into a box. There's some kids who don't even know that countries other than the United States exist. When you get older and you start to like learn about like other other people and things of that nature, it's, it makes you start to question your own reality mm-hmm. because it makes you question things like morality. It makes mm-hmm. you question things like what is culture, which what is and is not acceptable. You know, those types of things aren't things that like just develop one day those develop over time, you know? So, you know, those types of things are are things that I like to experience. I have been living in New Orleans, Louisiana, the entirety of my life. I've seen snow twice. The fact that like there are people who get to see snow year round and I've only ever seen snow in my life twice is something that just like, it's mind boggling to me, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I would definitely travel and I would definitely help people along the way in my travels because I feel like the more you travel, the more you see the good, the bad and the ugly of the world, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on where you go. Because you know, there's places where you could go and there'll be a huge resort and then right behind it, a slum. You know, this is like real stuff that people go through. Above all else, I would want to see the world and I would want to, you know, find people and learn their story and learn about their culture and things of that nature because, you know, it's fun to learn about other people's lives. That's my answer to that question. I love that. You've used the word story at least 20 times. I wasn't counting, counting, <laughs> but I can tell that that's something that's really important, that deeply important to you. It's really clear. I mean, even in what we're doing right now, right? Like how you have created this space for us to exchange stories with each other, you know, is like, mm-hmm. I want to watch your like Anthony Bourdain, like parts. <laughs> you know, I want to I watch you. <laughs> do do that and like teach me and us about different cultures and ourselves in the process that would be a gift to to us uh and to the world like don't joke around like that because like this is like only my third interview and if you make me feel like i'm doing really good then like i'm gonna I'm a start feeling myself you should feel yourself you know what that's great I didn't think yeah. I was going to do this two years ago. I thought I, two years ago, I thought that by now I would just be I would just be up in my house just selling phone cases. <laughs> yeah, I, I could talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, we don't have that. We don't have that much time. So I don't know if you all even recognize how much I'm getting out of this. Just listening to, to the two of you share your wisdom. So really, genuinely, thank you. It is an honor for me. Honestly, it is an honor for me to meet you and just like, please like, no, you are, you are the future, but you're ready now. Like we gotta learn from you. You see things we don't see. So it's an honor for me to, to, to spend this last hour with the two of you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hassan, for your time and trusting us with your story. 
You inspired us to reimagine the future ahead and to consider a world without fear. <laughs> well, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. To hear more interviews with brilliant leaders like Hassan, stay tuned to the Rooted Cash Podcast.